Hi, welcome to Upgrade Your Faith. I'm Luke Gradeless, and this is our bite-sized Bible study for today. If you haven't been here before, our goal is to spend a few minutes together in God's Word, let it activate our minds, touch our hearts, and start to transform our souls. We've been going through the book of 1 Peter, and today we begin 1 Peter chapter 2. So again, it's 1 Peter chapter 2. So let's just jump into verse 1, and let's see what God has to say to us through this beautiful book. It says, Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will be by no means put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumbled, being disobedient to the word, to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beautiful passage. Uh, a couple big points that we want to we want to look at and make sure we don't read by. And, and I think always, you know, reading Peter, especially reading Paul, you want to make sure that you take the time to go through the words. You want to make sure you take the time to, to, to really understand what is being said. Because it's one of those things where you can write, read right by it very fast and sometimes miss all the depth that's there. And I can tell you when I was a younger man, I, I would do that. I would make a goal to read through the Bible in a year or, or you know, read a book in a night or whatever. And my, my goal was to get through it. And I would do that and sometimes pause and realize I, I didn't really retain anything. And so I'd encourage you, it takes, it's better to spend a few minutes deeply in one verse and fully understand it than to speed read through everything and then go, I, I don't remember anything that I, <laughs> I read. So let's look at the things that he says here. He says, now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. And so then he encourages you. He's saying, hey, remember what you've been taught in the gospel. And he says, therefore, laying aside. And so this, this action of laying aside, it's important because it refers to an act of you and I putting this off. We're taking this thing off, we're laying it down, and we're moving on from it. We, we aren't going to pick this back up. Um, it's a once and for all action. This is complete. And so there's five things he tells us to, to take off and to lay aside permanently. The first is malice. And this kind of a, is a term that envelopes all kinds of wickedness. Uh, and so just anything wicked, anything deceitful, we've got to put that off. The second is guile. And in that word, it means um, the Greek kind of has this connotation of catch with bait. It means you're kind of underhanded, uh, you're sly, you're a crafty person. 
Uh, so you're always trying to get a hand, upper hand on someone. You're always, you're always trying to take advantage of people. You're always trying to get the better end of the deal. Uh, that, that's not who we are supposed to be. Uh, the next one is hypocrisy, right? So we need to lay aside hypocrisy. And so this, this word really has this idea of you being an actor. You're fake, right? You, you put on a mask and pretend to be somebody, but your heart is something completely and utterly different. That, that can't be us. We have to be genuine. We have to be real. Um, we got to put away envies, which include jealousy and spite. Uh, the word envy uh, comes from a, a word that means to wither. And so it kind of has this view of us like the jealousy inside of us makes our hearts wither away from God. And then evil speaking. Uh, we got to put aside evil speaking, which uh, if you, if you kind of study it, it's almost like speaking down, right? It's, it's you using your words to push others down. It's you breaking their perception. It's you breaking their reputation. It's you knocking those people down with the things that you say. And so Christians, we need to be careful that when we, we speak of people, that we, yes, speak truth, but we speak with love. And for as much as we can, we try to speak to edify people and to build people up. And so those are the five things he, he kind of tells us that you know we need to stay away from, that we need to lay those aside. And so again, we see similar theme as what we've seen in chapter one, which is this, this idea of the incorruptible, the bad, the flesh has been put aside. The incorruptible, the good, the spirit has now been put in, and we need to live in a way that reflects that, right? As we said in, in, in chapter one, be holy as he is holy. Right? God's a holy God. He expects his people to be a holy people. And so we're seeing again here in chapter 2 a similar thing that, that he's discussing. Um, he then goes into our desire and hunger for the word of God. And I think this is, this is another key thing that we've got to make sure we have. And sometimes it takes discipline. It takes discipline because the environment around you is not going to remind you to read your Bible. The environment around you is not going to be conducive to meditation, to prayer, into really deep study in the Word. But we've got to have a hunger for it. And, and the hunger we need to have is like a newborn baby hungers for milk. That's, that's the analogy Peter gives us. He says, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is gracious. So, so just like a baby comes out of that womb and knows it needs its mother's milk, you and I as new creations, as new believers in the Spirit of God, we've got to know that we need the Word. And, and brothers and sisters, what I can tell you is I think there are, is a great number of Christians who have come to know God and are newborn babies, but they don't grow because they don't know the Word. And I've seen people sadly sit and watch sermon after sermon after sermon and read book after book after book. And because it's written by a pastor, someone who has a title, they immediately go, well, that's God's word. And they don't realize that none of those things said had anything to do with this book. You are responsible as a believer for your relationship with God and to know what he has said in the Bible that he has worked to get into your hands. And so you've got a hunger for this. You've got to yearn for it. You've got to work for it. You've got to study it. Then, then he kind of changes focus, right? So he's focused on us, right? We need to lay aside these things. We need to hunger for the word. And I always think that's important, right? There's, there's the removal of something bad and then the replacement with something good. You must always see that in scripture. 
Uh, it's not that we just empty ourselves of bad and that's it. We empty and replace with something better. If we don't do that, if you just try to empty the bad out, the, the reality is normally it will come back. Normally it will come back and sometimes with a vengeance. And so then in verse four, we see kind of a change in focus. Now he's focusing on Christ. And he says, you're coming to him, you're coming to Christ as a living stone who is rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and he's precious. You also, so, so this is that beauty again of because the spirit's in us, because we are in the family, because we are disciples, we get to reflect in a way Jesus Christ. It's not a perfect reflection, but it's a reflection. And so he, he's talking about Jesus is the living stone. And then he says, you also, as living stones, are being built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so you start to get this picture in your head, right, of Jesus is, is the foundation. He is that solid, firm, strong, perfect foundation. And on top of that, you see the stone after stone after stone after stone that is us, the believers, being structured together to become the kingdom. And that's that beautiful picture you have of all of us uh, in our uniqueness having a role and a purpose in the kingdom, but it's built on what? It's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And, and then the other thing he pulls out here is this, that we're a priesthood. Now, there's a lot of things the priest did, but the, the one that always kind of hits home for me is in the Old Testament, because the barrier of sin separated man from God, the priest was established to be a go-between, right? The priest was the one that could go talk to God, bring a message back to the people. And, and what Jesus did when he died, if you remember, the curtains torn, and what his death did, wiping away that sin, is it allows you and I now to be our own priest in the sense that we can communicate directly with God. We have access to God. Doesn't mean we don't have pastors and elders, right? That, of course, is a, a separate topic and clearly outlined in scripture. But that access that the priest had that was so special in the Old Testament and was so limited, that no longer is the case. Jesus' death was a death that broke that barrier and now allows each and every one of us the ability to have access to God. It's a beautiful thing. And that's why we should take advantage of the fact that every single day of our lives, at any place, any time, anywhere, we can fall on our knees and we can go, Father God, and he's there. He's there to listen to us. He's there to talk to us. What, what a beautiful, beautiful thing that is. And so then what we see happen is, is uh, he, Peter, refers back to Old Testament. And so he, he's talking about this analogy of the, the, the stone, the cornerstone. And that was an analogy from the Old Testament. And so he says, Behold, I lay in Zion a sheep cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. So again, what is Jesus? The chief cornerstone. He is that key foundational block that everything is built around. Therefore, to those, to you who believe, he is precious. And so now here comes the dichotomy, right? To us as believers who can see the spiritual, Jesus Christ is everything. He is, he is the cornerstone of our lives and of our faith. But to those who don't see, those who are still in the dark, what happens? The cornerstone is rejected and now becomes what? It becomes a stumbling block. Uh, it says, look at seven, therefore to you believe he is a precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And, and if you want to just open your eyes and look around the world, you see this happening right now, right? Jesus Christ, who he is, the son of God, what he stood for, the word of God, it's a stumbling block to people who aren't believers. 
They, they look at it from all kinds of different angles. They try to tear it down. They try to break it down. And, and they spit upon it because that's what God said would happen. Right? He is either the cornerstone you build your life upon or you tend to reject what he is and what he stands for. And so then he says, uh, the stone which the builders reject, rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. And so here he's speaking specifically of, of those Old Testament, or those uh, New Testament Pharisees who, who should have known the word. They should have known the word. They should have known what was coming. They should have known what God was saying in the Old Testament. And even though they, they memorized the words, they ignored the relationship with God that gave them the insight to see that when Jesus showed up, this is the Son of God. And this is where, brothers and sisters, we have to make sure that we have a well-rounded love and knowledge of God. It's not just intellect, it's also heart, right? You got to have both those. And today what you tend to see is, is separation. You see people who are very intellectual, but then they don't do anything, right? Because it's, it's just this, this intellectual knowledge. And then you see people who are very emotional, but they don't have a lot of knowledge or facts to back up what they feel. You need both of those things to help guide you through this journey. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What beauty is that? Beauty is that for us to know that we were in that darkness. We were lost. But the light shined in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. And God pulled us out. And we who were once his enemy have now become his chosen people. What a beautiful, beautiful story that we get to be part of. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us. I encourage you to keep reading, keep praying, keep studying, and may God use you greatly for the good of the kingdom. We will see you again soon.